Hi folks, it's Glenn with the podcast, episode number 8, Chemistry Online at MSMU for summer 2017. This week I've done something a little bit differently in the canvas. At someone's request, I have moved all the due dates to Saturday. Now I hope that's going to work out for you because it's very important that you all work on the chemistry every day. Even though the due date is only Saturday, if you don't work on it every day, you are never going to learn that in time. Yeah, you're going to learn it, but you're not going to learn it in time. By in time, I mean for exam one. When is exam one? Monday. Yeah. Okay, now I'm going to do something a little bit differently for this episode. For the previous two episodes, I've gone through problem by problem in the web assign, and I didn't get positive feedback about that. I didn't get negative feedback, but in the absence of any feedback, I'm going to go with the gut, and I'm going to assume that that was too boring for you to be listening to while you're driving. In fact, right now, um, I've got a really nice Lyft driver here, because I'm taking Lyft to my other job, and that's because I I need to save some time. I need to do this podcast while going to the other job, as I'm sure you're doing. You're listening to this podcast while you're going to your other jobs. So let's see now. What I'd like to do differently is I'd like to go through some of the relevant information in the textbook that you need to know. And not only do you need to know, you need to look at and practice before you take the quiz, before you even approach the web assignment, and before especially you take the exam. Actually, I said the web assigns just now, but I'm not too concerned about the web assigns because you've probably already started them for this week and you have five attempts, or I may have changed it to ten attempts uh, for each problem there. So I'm pretty sure that's still going to be a learning experience for you. Of course, if I'm wrong, you're going to have to let me know because if you don't let me know, there's no way for me to know. I just have to work with my own assumptions here. Now, Chapter 4 is what we're doing, stoichiometry. Stoichiometry is just the practice of calculating what's going to happen in a chemical reaction. What I I mean by what's going to happen is how much material are you going to get at the end? How much material do you need to start with? And if you're starting with more than two reactants, how much of each reactant do you need to get the maximum amount of product possible? So all these things are stoichiometry. In 4.1, there's some information on balancing chemical equations. Yeah, I know you have already mastered that. I saw some mistakes that people made in the balancing equations canvas assignment. But you know, to tell you the truth, they were not major mistakes. I mean, if you just uh, take some time to count every atom in the reactants and make sure that the same number of the same types of atoms appear in the products you're going to get the right answer, and I think most of you, actually, I think all of you got the right idea. So, um, moving on, beyond equations, there is this little issue of ionic equations. In section 4.2, there are two different kinds of chemical reactions when you are, okay, there are actually several different kinds of chemical reactions, but, uh, For all you know, up to this point, uh, probably there are only two different kinds, just the molecular equation, which is what you're used to, I mean, what you worked on last week, 
there are molecules in the reactants, there are molecules in the products, you can work them. And then there is the ionic equation. Now, uh, ionic equation is something that appears in the first website, and if you've already done that, then congratulations. Uh, I think you, you might be safe to skip to episode 9. So for those of you who haven't done that, um, the, the reason why there are two different kinds of balanced equations uh, at this point is because when you dissolve ionic compounds in water, they don't stay together. Like when you dissolve salt in water, NaCl, you're going to get the Na plus ions and the Cl minus ions totally separate, and they're just, they're just going to float around freely. So every one unit of NaCl gets you two units of stuff dissolved. That's one unit of Na and one unit of Cl. Uh, this, I'm getting some deja vu. Have I mentioned this in the previous episode? Well, anyways, uh, when you write the total ionic equation, you write the chemical equation as though you are describing every single thing individually in the water. This is usually dissolved in water, so most of the states of matter are going to be AQ. So let me give you an example. When you react, uh, let's say, sodium chloride with lead nitrate, that's going to be NaCl plus PbNO3, 2, where there are parentheses around the NO3, and then there's a 2. When you re react those by mixing them together in water, the total ionic equation is going to be written like this, not NaCl, Aq, plus PbNO3, 2, Aq. Not like that. It's going to be written like this. Na plus Aq plus Cl minus Aq plus Pb2 plus Aq plus 2 of the NO3 minus Aq. Do you see that? I broke up the NaCl into Na plus and Cl minus. And I broke the PbNO3 2 into Pb2 plus and 2 of the NO3 minus. Now that's important, that last bit, because it, it can be confusing if you didn't examine this closely in the textbook. And by the way, this is in page 177. When you have the, the compound PbNO3 with parentheses around the NO3 and then a 2, you're talking about one lead ion and two nitrate ions. Yeah, so when you break that up into water, it is not the case that you get lead and then nitrate. No, you get lead and then two of the nitrates. And you describe that too, not with a subscript, the way you do, the way you do in the formula PbNO3 2. You describe that too with the coefficient. Why? Because those NO3s are floating completely separately in the water. This is exactly the same thing as dismantling a tricycle. A tricycle has three wheels. Let's ignore the frame. Let's just dismantle the tricycle, removing the wheels. The front wheel, I'll call that the PB. So the PB is now separate. And you remove the back wheels, well, there are two wheels. Do you end up with one front wheel and a pair of back wheels stuck together? No. You end up with one front wheel and two completely separate back wheels. You have three separate wheels. So that's why when you write the total ionic equation and something something like PbNO3 2 is involved, you write that as Pb2 plus plus NO3 minus, but there's a 2 in front of the NO3 minus, not 
as a subscript afterwards. You'll see exactly what I mean if you just check again um, around page 177 or 178. There are uh, a couple of worked examples that, uh, on those pages. Now, the products. So far, I've just described to you the reactants, the NaCl and the PbNO3 2. However, the products are going to be a little harder because you have to know what's going to happen in the chemical reaction. How do you know? With these ionic reactions, the chemical reaction goes only if something forms as a solid or as a gas. If nothing is going to form as a solid or as a gas, no reaction will occur. Let me say that again because it's important. If nothing is going to form as a solid or as a gas, that chemical reaction is not going to happen. What you thought was going to happen is not going to happen. And the reason is, nature is not interested in doing any chemical reactions unless there is some benefit in terms of energy, like nature needs to get paid. If you have two things dissolved in water and you expect them to react, well, if they're ionic compounds, you expect them to react. If once they react, they're still going to be dissolved in water, then nature gets no energy benefit. What's very common is if you react two things dissolved in water and then a solid forms from one of them. When that solid forms, nature gets an energy benefit. When, when the solid forms, there is an energy benefit because your mixture is now messier. In a solution, there is a certain level of order, but once you form a solid, there's still water there, so when, when you form a solid there, that water turns all cloudy and dirty. So that's, the, that's nature's energy benefit. There's a loss of entropy or uh, disorder. I mean, there, there's a gain of entropy, sorry. There's a gain of entropy or disorder. Also, it's even better when nature is able to form a gas. If you mix two water-dissolved solutions together and then nature can form a gas, oh, she will form a gas, and she'll do it fast. And the reason is, of course, if you form a gas, that makes bubbles, and the bubbles pop at the top of the liquid solution, you know? And then that gas gets released into the into the outside world. And that's very messy. That messiness represents a release of energy for nature, and that means she's getting paid. So yeah, she's going to do that. So in the case of my example here, um, which was uh, NaCl plus PbNO3 two, what happens is a solid forms. You get PbCl two. This is um, called a precipitation reaction. I'm moving in here to chapter uh, 4.2, section 4.2. This is called a precipitation reaction because PbCl2 is a solid. It falls out of the solution just like snow. It just makes the solution cloudy all of a sudden. And uh, we call that solution, that, that solid formation, a precipitation. And we call the solid that formed the precipitate. So see, since a solid has formed here, PbCl2, um, nature is willing to do the reaction, and the other product is going to be whatever is left over. So I had NaCl, PbNO3, 2. So I made PbCl2. What's left over? Well, the Na is left over, and the NO3 is left over. So those are all the products. PbCl2 and Na and NO3. Now, is that going to get me the right answer? No. 
because some of these things are still charged. Let's look at the Na. In the reactants, that Na appears as Na+, because it's got a positive charge. The NO3 appears as 2 NO3-, because there are two of them and they have a negative charge each. So in the products, they also need to have Na+, and NO3-, and there, there better be two of those NO3-. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, what about the charges for the PB and the Cl? Like, it was PB2 plus in the reactants and Cl minus in the reactants also, so how am I writing PbCl2 and just leaving it there? Because the PB2 plus joined with the Cl minuses to make PbCl2, and the quantities there, 1 PB2 plus and two Cl minuses, the charges cancel. Do you see that? It was Pb2 plus, and each Cl minus is one minus. So if I write the compound PbCl2, then I've got two pluses and two minuses, so the charges cancel. When the charges cancel, you no longer need to write the charge. Okay, so, so far we have Na plus Aq, Aq meaning aqueous or dissolved in water, plus Cl minus Aq plus Pb2 plus Aq plus 2 NO3 minus Aq and then the arrow so they produce PbCl2 uh, remember this is the precipitate or the solid so I'm going to put parenthesis S parenthesis to indicate solid so that was PbCl2 S plus Na plus Aq plus 2 NO3 minus Aq. Now, is this done? Are we done describing this chemical reaction in the equation format? No, because why? That's right. I just used PbCl2. I just used two Cl's, but in the reactant, there were only one Cl. I mean, in the reactants, there was only one Cl. So that means I need to balance this. How can I balance this so that there are two Cl's in the reactants because I need two Cl's in the products? I can balance this by putting a 2 on that Cl, but is that, is that okay to do? Can I just put a 2 on the Cl- minus in the reactants? No, because Cl- minus is not something that you added here. You added NaCl, remember? This was salt. You added salt plus lead nitrate, the PbNO3 2. When you add salt, you cannot control how many Cl- you throw in there. If you're going to throw in more Cl-, you're going to throw in some Na also. Why? Because when you shake that salt over the, salt, over the water, you're shaking NaCl in there. And for every Cl, there's an Na. There's nothing you can do about it. If you want more Cl, you've got to throw in more Na. So, to balance this, we're going to put a 2 on the Na+, plus. we're going to put a 2 on the Cl-, minus. and then we're going to put a 2 on the Na in the products, okay? So, this is what we have, 2 Na+, plus Aq, plus 2 Cl-, minus Aq, plus Pb2+, plus Aq, plus 2 NO3-, minus Aq, and then the arrow, 
which means produces or yields, PBCL2S plus 2, Na plus Aq, plus 2, NO3 minus Aq. So that is the total ionic equation. I know that's hard to keep in your brain because you're driving and this is new to you, but that is okay. I mean, just by trying to imagine some parts of what I just said, when you go to the textbook and look at page 177, it's going to look a lot easier, okay? It's not going to be however intimidating chemistry is for you, all right? So here we go with the net ionic equation. After you've written the total ionic equation, oh, my bad, in the textbook they're calling this the complete ionic equation instead of the total ionic equation, so uh, sorry about that. But once you've written the complete ionic equation, you can now con you can now deduce what is the net ionic equation. And this part, let me tell you, is the easiest part of all. No need to worry about this at all. When you try to get the net ionic equation, all you do is look for the things in the reactants that also appear in the exact same form in the products. For example, I've got two Na plus Aq in the reactants. I've got two Na plus Aq in the products. So, you just cross those two out, both of them. Let's see, I've got Pb2 plus Aq in the reactants, and I've got PbCl2S in the products. I cannot cross anything out there. Why? Because Pb2 plus Aq is not exactly the same as PbCl2S. Let's go on to the next one here. Um, I've got 2 NO3 minus AQ in the reactants, and I've got 2 NO3 minus AQ in the products. They're exactly the same, so I can cross them out. Now, folks, let's say they weren't exactly the same. You cannot cross them out. But what if the only difference were that uh, the coefficient was different? Then you can do some crossing out. So, for example, if I had in the reactants just one of the NO3 minus AQ, and I had in the products two of the NO3 minus AQ. The NO3 minus AQ is exactly the same form. It's just that there are two of them in the products and one of them in the reactants, in this little hypothetical aside. So that means you can cross out the one that's in the product and cross out that two and put a one on the, I'm sorry, you can cross out the one that's in the reactants and cross out the two and put a one on the two NO3 minus that are in the products. Do you know what I mean? You can just cancel out stuff, you know? Just as though you were solving an algebra equation and uh, you found something that appeared on both sides of the equation. For example, a, a positive 3 appeared on both sides of the equation and it was getting added to both sides of the equation. You can just cross those out because they cancel. So, uh, finishing this up here, there are two Cl- minus in the reactants, but in the products, the Cl's appear as PdCl2, so I cannot cross anything out there. So the Cl is solid in the products, but aqueous in the reactants. It's not the same. And that's it. So once you've crossed everything out that can be crossed out, you end up with the net ionic equation. I have crossed some stuff out, so let me read out to you the things that I have not crossed out. They are Pb2 plus Aq plus 2 Cl minus Aq, and the arrow 
PDCL2S. That is the net ionic equation. In other words, the net ionic equation is really the only thing that happened in this chemical reaction. The Pb2 plus ions joined with the Cl minus ions to make lead chloride, PbCl2. That's the only thing that really happened. Everything else, the, the other ions, they were just standing around. They were just along for the ride. Kind of like I'm along for the ride with my lift driver over here. So these, these ions, they're useless. I mean, we only use them because you can't shake pure chloride ions into water. You have to shake sodium chloride or calcium chloride or potassium chloride. You know, you, you can't just use pure chloride ions because nature will not allow you to have a jar full of negatively charged things, you know? So, all these useless ions, the sodium, the nitrate, they have a special name in the textbook. They're called spectator ions. Spectator ions. You know, like, when you watch baseball, you, the fan, are not are not a participant in the game. You're a spectator. In the same way, these ions, such, such as sodium and nitrate in this case, the NO3- and the Na+, they're not participants. They're just along for the ride. So that's it for episode 8. I'm going to uh, tell you about how to classify chemical reactions. And, um, oh, actually, sorry, that's not it for episode 8. I have one more thing to, to tell you about here. How did I know that PBCl2 was solid? How can anyone possibly know that? Is it given in every problem? No. This is something that you have to figure out. How would you ever know that PBCl2 is solid? Well, you know it by looking at a list of solubility rules. On page 179 of your textbook, which is in section 4.2, there is a table of solubility rules on your exam and on your quiz. I'm talking about the uh, extra credit quiz. Um, I'm not talking about the quiz from... The, the last week's material. We're talking about the quiz for this week's material. So uh, on your exam and on your quiz, there will be a list of solubility rules. There is no need for you to memorize these. But when you look at the solubility rules, you can use logic to figure out if your compound is going to be soluble or insoluble. Let me show you. I have PBCl2. I already knew that it was insoluble, meaning it forms a solid, meaning if you have Pb2+, and you have Cl- ions lying around in a water solution, they will come together, and they will form a solid. Uh, anything insoluble does that in water, whenever it can. It's because nature gets a little energy benefit from it. So, I look at the solubility table, and I look for something that mentions lead, Pb2+, or something that mentions chloride, Cl-. See that there is some mention of lead, Pb2, on the right side of the table. This side of the table says exceptions to these solubility rules include halides of Hg, Hg2, 2, and Pb2. There it is, Pb2. What does this mean, halides of Pb2? The word halide refers to anything in group 17 of the periodic table. Group 17 of the periodic table contains fluorine, chlorine, bromine, iodine, and acetine. Astatine 
This is the second to last column on the right side of the periodic table. All those elements are called halogens, and whenever those elements are involved in ionic compounds, they are now called halides, because they are ions. They are negative ions. Specifically, they are one minus ions, just like chloride. So halides of Pb2 plus are exceptions to the solub solubility rule. What solubility rule? That appears on the left column of this table on page 179. Soluble compounds contain group metal, a uh, group one metal cations, Li plus, Na plus, blah blah blah. That doesn't apply to PbCl2 minus. The second thing, soluble compounds contain the halide ions, Cl minus, Br minus, and I minus. Okay, that does apply to PbCl2 because PbCl2 contains Cl. It says on the left that that's soluble, but it says on the right that an exception to that solubility rule is halide is halides of Pb2+. There it is. Pb2 plus is an exception to the solubility rule. What does that mean? It means that PbCl2 is not soluble. And that means if nature can find some Pb2 plus and some Cl minus lying around in the water, she's going to make a solid out of that. That's how I knew that Pb2, PbCl2, sorry, that's how I knew that PbCl2 was going to be forming solid in that chemical reaction that I just balanced over audio with you a moment ago. You are going to have to get some practice in on how to identify which compounds are going to be soluble, which compounds are not going to be soluble. That practice is going to be in WebAssign, but the WebAssign practice may not be enough. Uh, there, there are some further practice problems on uh, example 4.3 in your textbook, page 180 and page 181. It spans both pages there, okay? Uh, if you need additional practice, please send me an email, jichung at msmu.edu, and I would be delighted to send you a website link where you can find more extra practice, or if you prefer, I can just set up practice for you myself on a, a chat session uh, using the Mac iMessage app or using Google Hangouts or whatever you like. You know, whatever you like. So um, that is it. That is really it for episode 8.